1: Happy Thursday. I'm excited about today. Thank you for joining me on the Paula Price Show, Blog Talk Radio, every Thursday, 11 o'clock Central Time. And uh, this week, I'm going to address something that we kind of touched on last night. If you were on last night with Wednesday Warriors with Chief Prophet Paula Price, she had me on as a guest. And the guest as the author of the book, Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum. And so you all who are part of that broadcast know that weekly she goes through the book that I wrote, Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum. And as she goes through it, she finally got to chapter 9, which was the pre-carnate Jesus Christ and the Old Testament prophets. Think about that. Pre-carnate Jesus Christ and Old Testament prophets, and so we did a a lot of talking. I covered a lot of ground, and uh, you have to go back and listen to it. Now, (coughs) may I suggest if you are a prophetic network of prophetic educators, a uh, educator of prophets, if you are that person, make sure you go back and have your class listen to it. Listen, guys, this is free training it's free wisdom and information we give it to you by the grace of God you should take full advantage of it some of you are doing so but we talked a little bit about gifts versus office which is a hot button and I want to say in uh, way back in 1993 God gave me the revelation of gifts versus office and what it's about and so I'm going to keep saying it because, you know, a a new concept, an unfamiliar idea or an unfamiliar standard can be a little bit um, rattling when you first hear it. It can unsettle you. You mean to tell me I've not been doing it the way I should and all of that? Well, truth be told, not your fault, not your fault, because you no doubt, if you're like most perfect people that I've encountered, the moment you find that particular function, Active in you. You begin to look for training. You go to look for books. You research. You try to find ways to get more knowledge and information on what it is that God is bringing you into, or at the very least, awakening you to. So here you are. You're doing what you know to do. You're going where you can go and fight to look for books. And up until now, until the internet, you were pretty much limited to going to bookstores and libraries and church bookstores and maybe various conventions. To get the information, but it wasn't there, and it wasn't there because the prophetic was awakened by evangelicals, by the, with the soul winning concept, and not the sovereign concept or consciousness of Jesus Christ. And so, you were told by pastors and, and evangelists what a prophet was. How now you ever think about how nutty that is? It's a little bit nutty. You know, that's like going there and having, you know, a pharmacist tell you how to do surgery, brain surgery. You know, that's kind of like, yeah, well, you kind of dance around. in the. Field. You may all be ministers. We may all be on God's staff and team, but we're not all the same. Otherwise, why do we have different names for what we do? So you might have been that. Let's just say that that's how you came up. So you came up with it being a that that is prophetic. Everything is a gift thing. And there's there's no such thing as institution. Now, that went out to show you how naive we are and how blind our minds were back then, and I say ours collectively, to show you how blind our minds were back then. We are talking about an institution called the church. The church itself is an institution. And institutions have divisions called departments and branches. And then those within those departments and branches, you have offices. And so the church itself is an institution. And it's an institution in God, it's an institution in the world. That's why we have 501c3s, that's why we have to have accountability, and then we have to have different type of, types of ministers doing different things. So you could tell that the, the, the theological and doctrinal conditioning overrode our common sense, overrode what's actually practical. So here we are, we're trying, we're trying, we're prophets. We're awakening the prophets, and we're told we're insignificant. We're told that we're just a gifting. We're told that we are ruled by pastors. We're ruled by churches. We have all of that, and we bought into that, and that became our doctrine. That became our academia. We began to teach it, not realizing that we were teaching ourselves out of significance and out of business and out of respect. So as we go on, and I'm going on, so as we go on and we, we pass through, we we keep thinking, okay, so we're just we're just we're just here to give the word of the Lord, and you were told that it was all about speaking and predicting, decreeing and declaring the end. So that is our that's our bedrock, that's our grassroots, that's the that's the first seed in the ground, and we let that grow up into this wayward kind of disjointed. And highly disregarded is a function that we have today. We were told that if everybody had their, their, you know their own ministry, I'm going somewhere with this. So we were told everyone had their own ministry, and you could do your ministry as God used you, and nobody could tell you whether or not it was God. You know, if you said it was God, everybody was compelled to take your word for it. Now, at face value, with no standards, no framework within which to validate you or affirm you as a credible voice to their lives. Kind of crazy, isn't it? It's hard to believe that that's where we were 20, 30 years ago. And yet, that's the origin of the prophetic. So the prophetic was revived under evangelical paradigm. What is an evangelical paradigm? Soul-winning soul-saving, planting, church-filling. That's evangelical. Soul-winning, soul-saving, church-planting, church-filling. That's what it's all about. And so evangelists are about winning souls. In other words, getting souls out of the jaws of sin and death into the Lord Jesus Christ. Ideally, getting him in and them. And that's ideally because a lot of people, it was getting people in church. So we were getting folks in church. That's the mindset. Now tell me, in just those four major uh, quadrants of evangelicalism, tell me where is prophecy other than prophesying the Lord wants you say or somebody's going to help. So there was no structure for us. We started without a structure. Listen, tell all your prophetic friends, Tell all your prophetic teachers, all the prophets you know, everyone in your network and in your classes, tune in now because you're going to get the class of a lifetime because this is where we start pulling it all together. You cannot address the situation if you do not explore its causes, its origins, and its roots because the roots are the stronghold. See, the roots are the stronghold of the tree. And so... We have to explore that. So here we are. We have this thing, and everybody finds out that the prophetic is being revived by prophesying. So as far as they're concerned, that's as deep as it gets. And then after that, we just make up all kinds of of rules to regulate that prophesying, to uh, validate it even, because it did deserve validation. And then we began to pull as if there was this clay base called evangelicalism and pull that clay and plug it into the prophetic that God was reviving, so that it looked like a uh, clay doll, a clay structure. We just plugged in, okay? We plugged in pastors rule. We plug in pastors define. We plug in pastors approve. We plug in church approve. We plug in people have to bear witness. We plug in it must be confirmation. We plug in well people have to agree. If we plug in, it must be manifested within a certain amount of time. And so all of those are those clay plugs that we plugged into this brand-new institution that God was reviving called the prophetic. And so you had all of the prophets that were so glad to be recognized finally, we being recognized, that you went along with that. Prophets went along with pastors deciding whether or not they could prophesy. And so pastors decided you could say this much, you could say this long, and you could say it this way. And pastors decided how you would deliver the word of the Lord to their people. After all, right now, we're just a function. We aren't an institution. You don't become an institution until you start getting in buildings and you start setting up, you know, order and establishing structure. You're not that. Until then, you're just a function. And so they have decided. I went to places where people, I mean, I got rebuked. Can you imagine pastors rebuking the government? Or the government agents sent by God because they delivered a word that the pastor didn't approve of. And so we went through that. That was our era. Some of you are still going through it. I don't. I established myself. I decided I'm if you're gonna call me a high office, then I'm gonna have a high seat. And some of you all need to think about that. So anyway, I we went through that. And and, and we walked around. Well, you know, the pastors get to say why. But nobody questioned that. But you know what a change agent will always do? They'll always say why. A change agent will question why we haven't moved from this place, why this unproductive, troublesome position or situation is continuing to exist. So I start saying, but why? Because I read my Bible. So a lot of you all listened to each other's doctrine. You got on a plane. You went out to dinner. You went over to you in the back room at a convention, and you, and you just started exchanging ideas. And if the ideas felt good to you, you concluded that it was God. You just started exchanging ideas. That's all you did. Well, you know, then uh, well, what, I see, what I see, what I sense, and I'm there with no authority. And you created an authority from collaboration not from the Constitution of the Almighty. So we're running on a collaborative authority, you know, majority rule, popular thought. And, 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 and there's no end to that because there's no end to people to have a feeling. I sense, I believe, I think, well, I mean, it could be. And there was no authority. You know why? Because you had nothing to anchor those feelings and those conclusions and deductions on because you're gift. And, I, and my thoughts are just as good as your thoughts. My validity is just as good as your validity. Hey, so we all sitting around in the back room deciding what a prophet is, hammering it out from our feelings and from our observations. What we observed, what we detected, what well, I noticed, and I noticed the so-and-so that does this, and they're big. And so we also added in there the fact of numbers. You know, if you had a, a large number, then you obviously knew what a prophet was and you knew what prophets are called to do. But no way did we sit down and seek God. And when you sought God, because there are people who sought God, you sought God from your evangelical consciousness because that's a, that was the prevailing paradigm. So you look for evangelicalism in all prophecy. I remember pastor people saying, "Well, every word of God in in uh, what does it say? Uh, in redemption? Yeah, no, 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 no. We got some some scriptures in there where these people God didn't want to redeem that. He's like, you bought it from me, you stole it from me. I'm not buying it back. There are things that God doesn't want in His world. There are things that God's people don't want in their communities, in their civilizations, whatever." But that consciousness didn't exist back then. So we went around. We had to go and reshape prophecy. So even though God said, tell him I'm taking him off the planet in three days, we have to go there and say, the Lord is going to visit you, and he's going to dress you up a little bit, and he's going to explain some things to you. And then, you know, know, it won't be long before you go home to be with the Lord. And nobody, who in the world is going to sit there and say, I need to straighten up? No, we need a Jonah prophecy. I'm getting ready to destroy your city. And if you want your city, you're going to have to convince me not to do it. We don't convince people to repent. We don't convince people to change God's mind. We don't do that. Hezekiah, hey, you get ready to die, period. Get your house in order. Abimelech, you're a dead man. This is the same God. Same God, yesterday, today, and forever. That's why he had to write that in Hebrews. I am the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And it's not your yesterday, it's my yesterday. And God's yesterday is the Old Testament. So here we go. We're starting, but we're trying to be real evangelicals. We're trying to be soul winners. We want to, we want to win their soul to Jesus Christ so we can say we have it. Whether their soul ever gets sanctified or if the soul ever got saved or if the soul ever turned to Christ, none of that's our concern because now we just want to prophesy Everything to them We want to prophesy deliverance We want to prophesy prosperity We want to prophesy everything but sanctification Separation from the world That's Bible So we, so the prophets today Are running on the evangelical model but Where did that model come from And I said it last night It really will behoove you to go back And listen to last night But that model came from the Greco-Roman Model and method Of prophesying a process. Their prophets were not involving government per se because they were required to speak for the deity only and only predictively. People sought them for the future. Like now, most psychics, is about future telling. Who's going to be my husband? Am I going to get married? Will my business thrive? All of those things can be part of it and depending upon the rank of the prophet, because all prophets didn't share the same rank. So depending upon that rank of the prophet and the stratum that prophet was assigned to, you could get that kind of information. The higher up a prophet, the more the more national the prophet, the more governmental and institutional the messages and the words, and the more integrated they are. But nobody told us that either. We just knew we had to run around and uh, predict, and when we when we couldn't ran out of things to predict, and we started really getting into deep divination. And then when we found out that people respond more quickly to our divination than they do to our prophecy, then the then the function turned to divining. And divining, so people would open their purses and open their, their pocketbooks and their checkbooks, etc. So that's pretty it. But I want to talk to you about this. And if you go back to my earlier teachings on the prophetic, when I was doing the Tuesday, Thursday nights, that Thursday night, we talk about that. There's a whole PowerPoint. Perhaps we can get prophet Ashley to put it in our classes, you know. But that Greco-Roman prophecy model, much of what we do in the New Testament is that. We actually took that model from the Greco Roman prophets, where all you did was predict. So you had the oracles of Delphi, which was a biggie back then. That's what Paul was fighting with. You had that Pythion, Python thing, because you know, you want to wear the Python, because there were Python prophets, or Pythonic prophets. They existed, prophets that prophesied from, an, from a place where Pythons were frequented, and they were considered. Divine messengers or omens So you have no idea How much what you have Accepted as a prophetic is not God because God's Prophetic is an institution It's institutional And as an institution It goes back to Abel Your prophetics have got to go back to Abel And not Cain Because see Abel was God's first Prophet But so was Cain Faces. So you have to go back to that And see this is why prophetic education Cannot be just in a couple of weeks Or you go and pay all of this money To go to a prophetic class And you all you do Is learn how to prophesy If that's your case If that's your curricula It's Greco-Roman based It's influenced It's laced with divination Because you're told to Well all you have to do is say this and blah blah blah, 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 blah And say what you think well, you don't know what spirit in the vicinity is using your mind because you don't have your filters, and you're not coming through God's institution. If you're going to be a prophet of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to go back to Abel and go back to what got Abel slaughtered because you don't realize that Abel being the first prophet was, I mean, 100% eternal. But he created an institution. How do I know that? Because Abel's sacrifice was was defined by God. He sacrificed according to God. And then he offered the most acceptable sacrifice, the model that God used. Now, why did he get it and not Cain? Because Cain was of the wicked one. And even though Cain was the firstborn, he was the last chosen. And so... Cain, according to First John, was of the wicked one, and he slew Abel. Eve knew why he slew Abel. So Cain, these two men, help me, they were archetypes, but they were also progenitors. Abel was the progenitor of God's eternal prophetics brought to earth. Cain was the progenitor of Satan's prophetics and religion's uh, installed in man. So Cain ended up being the naturist. So he wanted to bring the works of his hands, the works of his field, the fruits and the veggies. And he wanted God to accept fruits and veggies and juices and smoothies in place of the blood of a lamb. And God needed pure blood because the blood tells the story of everything. The blood contains everything you need to know, and the blood is the life of all flesh. And if God was taking the flesh the life out of the flesh, he needed the blood that it contained that was in that life on the altar to expunge the sin of Adam and his community. Now, granted, it was a young community. Now, for those of you who don't know, go to Luke eleven 49. You'll see that Jesus said, Jesus, the God of the prophets, said Abel was a prophet. So you have to do this. If you're, going to, if you're going to be a part of this next move of God, you can't run on falsehoods. You can't run on humanism. You have got to go back to your roots. And the heritage of the prophetic is able under God Almighty, without a church, without a nation, with only a community. And he provided the prophetic oversight and regulation of that community. So when Cain killed him. He was really trying to stamp out Abel's mantle. And for a season, for a season, it worked until we got set. What Cain did was literally, by the time he's finished, condemn all of God's people to slaughter, to confusion, to scattering. And to silence, divine silence, because God established Abel because he ceased to talk to Adam. Otherwise, Adam would have been the prophet. But he ceased to talk to Adam because Adam carried the seed of the serpent. So Abel, somehow or another, God Sanctified Abel to the point that he could be God's mouthpiece and mediator. Because now, with the light of God out of the human vessel, mediation is required. Now, God needs a mediator. He now needs a spokesperson. And so, even though he's still talking to Cain and Abel directly because they are the originators, Abel is it. Now, how do I know that when you go all the way down to Hebrews, you find out how powerful? Abel was, and that Abel had a blood type that was different from everybody else's because he said Abel's blood was still communicating for God in the realm of God's hearing and God's vision all the way up until Jesus came, and the only blood that could outdo Abel's was Christ. Now, we would talk about that later we wanted to have a whole class on the blood and Christianity and, and all of those kinds of things. But that's not the direction I want to go, and I'm, I'm headed someplace with this. I'm framing what I'm about to say for that purpose. So Abel to Zechariah, Jesus said, were the prophets that, whose blood was spilt over the, the life of his nation's existence. All the way Abel to Zechariah. These every prophet that was slaughtered for the word, and and for the the calling on their lives. But the point of this is that the, the Abel founded the prophet institution, and it wasn't based on prophesying. Because as you can see, what got him killed was his ministry, was his message, was his method, was, was his offering, was his sacrifice. That's what got him killed. Because God constantly. Appreciated what Abel did. He built Abel. He sent Abel into the planet. As a matter of fact, when Eve got Seth, it's a powerful phrase. I got to read it. Let me see if I can find it. You know, I'm having fun. Are they following me? Are you all appreciating this? Because these nuances, See, one thing about prophets, dis- discernment is for nuances. You don't need discernments for the obvious. You just need observation. But discernment is for the nuances, the subtleties, the shadow types. You need discernment for that. A whole class on discernment would not be a waste on the modern prophet. Amen. You know what I mean? Yes,
0: well, especially since. When we say discernment, usually people are only thinking
1: about devils. Yeah, exactly.
0: Discern
1: when somebody's walking with the devil and when they're about to manifest, and not these deeper things of God. Mm-hmm. No. We don't even know. Well, and, and, and like, I mean, discernment, the synonym for discernment is detection. Yeah. So these detectives that we have are chosen because they have exceptional discernment capabilities, and they are tied to instincts, etc. I want to find this one here. Okay? If you, if you just write this down for, for future things. And so, Genesis, listen to this. I don't know if you ever paid attention. Genesis 4.25, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, she said, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. She knew Abel wasn't hers. I mean, Cain wasn't her, And she knew Abel was the son that she got from God. And to Seth, also there was born a son, and we go on. So they, listen to this. This is very important because this, this, this foundational stuff is needed. So Cain killed the prophet. His religion sought to stamp out the true faith of Almighty God. Eve knew she gave birth. She knew she gave birth to three sons, and she knew one was an express gift from God, another was a spawn of hell, and the third one was a replacement of the prophet. A, Seth. Because it said, after that, after Seth, it said, then men began to call on the name of the Lord. So he had to have some sort of uh, ministerial and uh, uh, religious importance that was so conspicuous it reminded the people of Abel. Now, there was a long spate of time between that. Meanwhile, Cain is reproducing, setting up his own kingdom, setting up his own religion, and all of that. See, this is for those of you who are interested in the truth. You know, this is not, well, you know, that's just your way. No, no. The facts are what they are. And you haven't eaten enough of them to know whether or not I'm right or wrong. Because when you read this, it says, and Cain, excuse me, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. And she knew that everything she had from Abel to Seth was not hers. She had a bunch of girls or a bunch of insignificant children altogether. And so Seth Cree re- revives the line of the prophetic. You need more than how to prophesy. You need more than techniques and tips to do this thing the way God ordained it. So you can, you know, because we have people, you write on there, I'm sorry, it's not instant. Your pastor told you that, or a prophet trained by a pastor told you that. You did not get that from the word of God. And the word of God is what prophets must learn in order to speak for God. And we've got way too many prophets out there speaking who don't know anything beyond in the beginning God. And they're reading books written by folks who were channeled by devils or divinatory prophetics. And so when we talk about divinatory, we talk about any divine being calling itself God that communicates its will and its word and wisdom to a prophet. Because the Bible said the law prophesied. I like that. Did you know that, Ashley? They said the law and the prophets prophesied until John the Baptist. I'm going to keep going with this thing. Because, see, I studied this thing. And I'm telling you that... If you can't ask the right questions, you are you are vulnerable to false prophecy. And you cannot ask the right questions until you get the right questions or get the information that gives you the question and the answer. Jesus Christ said he established the law and the prophets until we got to John the Baptist, which would wrap up the law and the the, the law being and well, even the prophets on in print. And now here comes the prophet that Moses prophesied would come, who would be just like Moses and better than. That prophet comes and shifts the institution from paper and stone to flesh and blood. Now, before we leave our generous Genesis example, I want to say this. When you read that, it says, and I like, I'm going to read it again because I Some of you might be just tuning in, and you might want to know from Genesis 4.20. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, she said she, has appointed me another seed, another seed, Mm. another seed, instead of Adam, I mean Abel, and that not instead, in the, in the Bible, instead means often in place of, or in the place of. So in the place of Abel, whom Cain slew, Seth was born to stand. We already ex- ex- said according to Luke eleven forty nine through fifty one is a whole example of Abel being a prophet. We don't even know Abel is a prophet till we get to Luke. <laughs> And we don't know how powerful his, his prophetics were until we get to Hebrews, where it says Jesus' blood speaks of better things than that of Abel. And Abel's blood was somehow or another keeping the planet intact for the coming of the Son of God. And so, and, and so then you look here, and it said, And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos, then, after Seth first born, to keep this line going, then men began to call upon the name of the Lord, which means from Abel to Seth, God was pretty much ignored, and, and everything that he did or his um, what he built and created was obliterated or um, imitated, and so we had all these imposters, so Seth that. The, what what Abel was doing Under much more difficult circumstances Is this talking to you guys? So now Here's what I want to do I'm going to end this Because I want to shift to why I'm going this direction This is the book of the generations of Adam In the day God created man In the likeness of God Made he him Male and female created he them And blessed them And so If you look at this And you look in the genealogy that Genesis has here, neither Cain nor Abel are included. So however that worked out for God, Abel was slaughtered by Cain, but he was a type of. All right? Or a type of what? A type of the prophetic, but he was also the human that God used to establish the institution. Cain, we already discussed. Seth picks up Abel's mantle and ministry, picks up his office and institution, and begins to lead the way as we go forward. You look later on, you see that Enoch has a prophecy. You look later on down the line, he's a prophet. Then Noah's a prophet. You don't even realize it, because as far as you're concerned, Noah's the ark builder. And so and all of them prophesy the coming of the one to fix the problem on earth, the coming of Of the Christ so when you think about the prophetic and they start telling you especially when they like to say to us because they write to me and they write to chief prophet Tala well you know God's not an institution I sat in meetings where they told me that I was like but that doesn't make sense everything in life is an institution first of all look up the word before you say it isn't so research and research is etymology for example Institution is innate in first Corinthians twelve twenty nine when God said God has set thee set these in the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, and thirdly teachers. And the word for set is Tiffany, which means instituted, installed, inaugurated, appointed, established, fixed. That's very different from God has God gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelist pastors and teachers. See, that's two different things. I challenge you, my prophetic uh, brothers and sisters, do a comparative analysis of those two passages. Compa- I mean, really do it from, and don't do it from so-and-so's book. Do it from you and Jesus. But that comparative analysis is going to tell you who's who, and what's what in the kingdom. And it's going to be hierarchical. And the people who are trying to tear down the royalty and the throne of Jesus Christ hate hierarchy. They hate to think that things there's an escalating up or a de-escalating down. They hate that. And so they're going to keep telling you that hierarchy is wrong. But yet when you step back from just civilization as a whole – it functions on a hierarchy, and if you don't touch it, one emerges by itself. It just emerges in the course of everybody doing what they do. The weak accept that they can't beat the strong. The strong takes all the responsibility for protecting and defending the weak, and on we go. Is that, is that good? So why did you go that way? Why do we have to have that class? Because God starts everything with his prophets, everything. As you can see, he restarted humanity's existence with the prophet. Everything God does, he does with the prophet. It doesn't matter what it is. And even if you don't know it, see, God doesn't care that you, don't, that you're not omnis- that you are not omniscient where he is. God operates on his own omniscience, his own omnipresence. So he's okay that you don't share his omniscience. And so you can't see that he does this somewhere with someone that you don't know. So that is where you have to take it by faith that God does everything by a prophet. Surely the Lord, God does nothing except he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. He starts everything with a prophet. Every move, I don't care if the move was evangelical, he just ran with the whole evangelical adjective and said, but I have some evangelical prophets. And they're going to do it because that's who I put in the seat of power for a specified period of time. So we've done this. We've got, this, we've got the prophets revived. We've talked about that, how they were revived, and how differently they erected this institution from how Bible constructed it. And so Bible built it on the eternal word and the eternal will of almighty God. That's how Bible built, built the institution. Humanity, humanism built it on the individuality and the individual ministries of the gifted people or people with the gift of prophecy. You see the problem. So one is on a rock and then is on sinking sand, and then you wonder why it's sinking. Isn't that interesting? So I want you to keep with me. Now stay with me. So the humanist model we already established is the Greco-Roman model. All you do is prophesy. You sit in the place and people come to you and you prophesy. You build nothing. You enlarge nothing. You expand on nothing. If you are, if you are so inclined, you will go and just form a little network where you just run around as a little band of prophesies. And you do that, we began that by prophesying in the church until the pastors did what shepherds ought to do, protected their sheep, and put all of that crazy out because there was nothing for them to use to confirm or verify those prophets that were running through their churches. And then after that, because we have no standard, have no guide, have no directives, have no foundation, have no way of unifying and uniforming the prophets, unifying the messenger, and uniforming the message, unifying the messenger and uniforming the message, unifying the messengers and uniforming the message. We have no way of doing that because that takes a guide, that takes a document, that takes a book that takes a manual. And because we have no way of doing that, let's be God, everybody is saying what they feel. And so people are told to believe people's hearts, to believe their minds and to believe their utterances on the basis of the person delivering the word. So You can't even confirm if this person is a prophet. You can't confirm if God ever called them to be a prophet. You can't uh, confirm that God even spoke to them. You aren't in their prayer closet. You're certainly not in their hearts or their minds. So what are you to run on? What are you to use to protect yourself and to make sure your family, your household, your businesses are receiving from the God that founded them, that ordained them, and that you want to prosper them? You have no way of knowing that and you've been running, believing this one and that one, and you've been trained because a good prophetic institution is going to train its audiences because people have got to be taught how to entreat the word of the Lord. So this is where we are. You want to know how we got this. So then how did the church get in such a mess? Number one, the prophets came up on the pastors. The pastors approved and authenticated the prophets. That is no, There is no no... Basis for that, no premise for that In scripture, as I just told you Do the work of eva- Do a real study Exegesis of 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and 29 And Ephesians 4, 11 Promise me you'll do it And let me know, I'm interested in some of you All's feedback, some of you all will do it I want you to let me know what you have Discovered, especially under The Lord Almighty, under the author Of the scriptures So we move on. Now, how do we get here? Well, now the church is in a mess. We've got the, the two authoring mantles of scriptures and the two first and second offices of the church being shut out, frozen out, banned from the congregation, from the ecclesia. So that's number one. You write that down. That's issue number one, the authoring mantles of scripture and the first and second offices of the ecclesia, are being banned and shut out. So the only thing they're tolerating is the teacher, plain and safe. But the teacher did not author scripture. The foundation is, according to Ephesians 2.20, is apostles and prophets. Over and over again, the revelation was given to apostles and prophets. The mysteries were given to, anybody hearing me, the law was prophesied with prophets. The golden rule that we love came from prophets. The prophets have scriptures. The pastors have none. The prophets have scriptures. The apostles have scriptures. No other officers have scripture. That's why I call them the authoring mantles of scripture because they offered that mantle, that office, that anointing. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, Author the scriptures. They're the one that built the institution called the ecclesia. The, the, the pastors did not build the ecclesia, which is why they plant churches. We built them, so they they can they, you can go and found a church, and if people want to come, God bless you, and thank God. Thank God, it's a big job. We need everybody having some churches, but let's not forget who's who. You could say God doesn't have rank. I've had that argument. You know, people have told me, but, you know, God doesn't have rank. Yes, he does. He ranked kings over everything. And then he ranked, he ranked the ambassadors and on and on and on. So God has ranks. He does. He has orders. He, ha- he says he has orders. He has ascending order. He has descending orders. That's Bible. But, see, you listen to somebody preaching. You're not reading what God spoke. See, we still don't read what God is speaking in his word because we're still caught up with preaching because this is big. And if you get a person who is going to train you in God outside of scripture because they don't like to read and they don't like the small print and they don't like big books, you're not going to know God. I don't care what they say because you cannot catch your affection for God. You've got to learn him. Jesus may be your personal savior, but do you know his person? And see, many of you all do not know the person of Jesus Christ, even though you're claiming him as your personal Savior. So, prophets and apostles, because a lot of the apostles are the same way, the prophets and apostles
0: hmm,
1: are the mantles that offer Scripture. But if they are, then we need to go in and, and, and the path and follow the, the, the path of our predecessors and begin to learn the Bible. Learn the scriptures, and don't just get these little flaky, flaky scriptures. I've a lot of them I will never read. There's some by, I will not ever use them. I'm telling you, I won't use them because they're about the people. They're democratic. They're democratic. They're lay the sea versions of scripture, where the people rule, and they're democratic. They're um, they're they're cultural, and they're for the people, by the people, and also decided or approved according to the people. I will not read those lay the sea. Layer to see in translation. I won't do it. And you know why? Because I represent the throne of Christ. I represent the king of glory. I don't represent a president. I don't represent an elected official. Jesus is not elected, he was born into it. Just like we're born into being kings and priests unto God. Kings are not elected not those ordained by God. They are born into it. And so I will not, I, will, I definitely won't do it. I'm going to tell you right now, I will never do it. If you ask me, I will tell you I'm never going to do it. I, I, I try to stay as close to the authentic. I believe that the, the King James Version works for God, not because it, it's error-free, because humanity, earth, nothing's error-free, but it works for God because it was written under the era of kings and monarchs. It was written under the era of royalty, and it was written from the royal consciousness of the society and not this democratic consciousness that these other translations have downgraded it to. It was written that way. It was written without the evangelical spirit in mind. That came later. All of these other things are written by that evangelical spirit where it's all about the people getting it themselves on their own. It's all about the people uprising against leaders. It's all about the people individualizing and, mig- and separating and polarizing in their particular camp. See, that's not who Jesus is. He said all nations and all peoples. So I would never do it. I'm gonna tell you right now. Now I will put some up if you're brandy new or if I think that something is so important I need you to at least get the nugget of it. I'll give you a line or two from this one and that one. I will never use the message Bible ever. Ever, because it's not the message of Jesus Christ. It's very layered to sin, it's very much about the people. So I won't use it. But I do think that there's a place for it for the people who are just coming in. But a scholar. No. As a scholar, I would never use it. As an academic, I would never use it. As a trainer, and teacher, as a, and, a, and certainly not as an apostle or prophet, I wouldn't do it. But I do think that if, if people, people who are baby in Jesus probably need those little baby words, and they wouldn't care about the distortions and the deviations and the omissions. Anyway, I just would never do it. That's like one of those that I won't do as a scholar. I don't recommend that, that translation for anybody who is seeking the royal truth that comes from the throne of Christ, because it has, there's nothing royal about it. It has no royal overtones or undertones. That's just one. I can give you more, but that's just the one that I think is most misleading. Many of, many of these celebrities and whatnot, they're running on that message Bible, and that's why they are selling Christ, because th- that, that Bible literally gives you permission to advocate your position as a king or priest unto God. That's just me. That's just my personal statement. This is not anything like that, but everything I've read in it, I've, I perused it once. I read it one time and I hated it. And I, and I didn't know why because I was too young in Christ. But now that I'm older, I understand that, that the, God's kingdom is royal. God is a royal kingdom. We are a royal priesthood. Mm, somebody hear me. We are holy and all of that kind of stuff, but everything, that all inclusive, everybody's okay, uh-uh, we won't do that. There are a number of other ones I would caution you against, and if you came in my class, I would give you a list of them, because you need to know that if you plan to be good in God as a prophet, you cannot read those layered and the, the versions, the people rule. The people decide, but this is all about people understanding. Well, we need another translation because the people don't get it. Well, they don't understand ABCs till we send them to school. They don't understand calculus. They don't understand how to be a medical doctor, etc. Nobody goes and say, you know what? We're going to take these our foundational books and we're just going to just just switch them out. You don't do that. Now you get other versions. You get other people who do it. You may enlarge on it, expand on it, but not a, a book that's all conclusive. And see, in this, in this consciousness, nothing is ever the end. So nothing is ever all inclusive. And then if it's inclusive, we have to go back and adapt it so that the excluded don't feel bad. But if you're going to be a scholar, if you're going to be a prophet, if you're going to be the next generation of the authoring mantles of Scripture, then you have to go where the, those people started, where they began. I know for a fact, I'm going to tell you right now, and I know for a fact, because I'll get some emails on this and some, i inboxes. I know for a fact that there are people who just, well, you don't know what they felt like. But the Bible said holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The holy will know the right translation. The unholy won't care. But if you're holy and you're sanctified to what God has called you to do, you're going to say, that's not God. Uh Uh-uh, I can't do that. But if you're looking for easy street, an easy read, because, you know, we even have one called the easy-to-read version, and then the easy-to-read translation. If you're looking for easy read, then, which a prophet and apostle ought not to, then, yeah, you'll take whatever, because you're not going to want to have to go to the dictionary and then go to the concordance and then go to the so-and-so. They, these, these are false translations. They've even written their own concordances. But when you go back and trace the word, see, if you are a searcher and if you are a steward, which apostles are supposed to be, stewards of the mysteries of Christ, if you are that, you're going to go and track it. I've looked at those little crazy concordances, but when you go back, words mean what they said. When you go back and trace those things back to their root, both their biblical root and the etymological root, you're going to find out that, those, that they were, they were sl- ch- turned slanted for the advantage of the easy reader. The, the God said my yoke is easy He didn't say his word was easy He said his words were cryptic On purpose He said I spoke to them in parables on purpose Because I need them to have an agent An instrument that breaks the code So now I laid out all of these things What do all of these things have in common What they have, excuse me, what they have in common Is that they divided the house of Christ They divided the, the church of Christ Diverse versions of scripture Guarantee division Breach the unity of the body of Christ No agreed upon Version or translation Means every man does What is right in their own eyes So we're in the judges era of the church That's number one So number two I think that's already scary Because you can't get people to agree on What does save the Lord Or how does Save the Lord was said. We can't get an agreement We can't can't even read in unison in church any longer unless we put it up on the screen. We cannot read in unison because everybody has their own translation. And you all have never, you all never reached back and studied where those translations came from. Who were those people who decided we did that? What kind of life did they live? What kind of education did they live? What kind of church experience did they have? What kind of religious experience did they have? What did they believe? What were they raised to believe? So you need to know that before you pick your translation. You know, so the NIV people, who was on that team? Research their lives. Somebody needs to do a profile on it. Research their lives. The message book. Research their lives. Easy to read. Research their lives. Good News Bible. Research their lives. You need to research the authors of those works. You need to know. And don't get caught up in all the alphabets and capital. Go back to their individual lives. Who were they born to? What kind of church did they grow up in? Because all of that feeds into why they became a member of the team to alter the word of God for the people. Why were they so prone to alter and create a Bible based on the commandments of men or the preferences of humanity? So you need to know that. If you're a prophet, that is your job. It is your job as a prophet to guard the, and to, to research and investigate. Discernment comes from investigation. I know you think it's, an, it's a, an automatic thing. It's not automatic. It's not automatic. It doesn't just show up. Discernment comes from investigation, first education and then investigation. And from there, your instincts and intuition join that and give you the faculty that you need to separate and discriminate one thing from another. I think that we ought to have that as a prophet's institute. That's a, a, maybe a homework assignment. You might give some of your, your trainees, you who are prophetic educators, but you should know who oh, this guy here, he came from so-and-so. What was the prevailing thought? Because all of those like those minds were like. Those like minds came together, on a single premise that said we must write a Bible that is different from what the church has used for 2,000 years and from from what kept it together. Mm. And so now we've moved into American, uh, well, and actually modern um, uh, practice Of individuality So we want to individualize the scripture What does that do In the end individualizing scripture Guarantees division In the middle of the word individual Is divide So individuality Will always divide And unless you can come up with a Common glue A common bond that unifies And that only happens Through uniformity You cannot unify without uniformity That cannot happen. Now, you can gather. We can all sit together in a room, but we can sit together in a room, one room, and argue until we're crazy, until we come up with something that brings us all into the same mind. Paul talked about same mind, one mind, all the time. Didn't he? He talked about it all the time. So I'm having a blast here today. How? So so the first thing is the Bible was attacked. Then, of course, the ministry offices were attacked. And then ministry education came under attack. And then ministry unity and conformity. You began to be a joke. If you were, if you conform to Christ, the world, they already have a, a paid jesters and paid mockers and scorners to make you know and feel bad about being one. Meanwhile, they could be one. They can be one, and they're uniform. You look at them, this culture's uniform. they all dress the same way. They're all tatted and pierced, you know. <clears throat> they're all, you know, high on something. You know, the, the drivers of this thing, not everybody, but the main drivers, those are things that they do to unify. We don't have that. We had that, but we don't have it now. And, so, and, and when your liberty proves itself in division, then you are not a liberator. You're a captor. So we scattered this man's flat. So we want to go on and talk about that. So, and then the last thing was that the congregation, the pastors took over, each one with a different congregation and their own mindset on how things going. You cannot have pastors in charge of the church and have unity. It cannot happen. Logically, that's a logical statement. Because all of those different houses, all of those different congregations, all of those different leaders with all of those different people with their various preferences will always fragment. That is why God didn't start the church with pastors. Because pastors are distributed. They, they literally, they're dispersed. That's a disbursement organization. That institution is about disbursement, and disbursement is always vulnerable to division. We cannot fix this church until we change the headship what's driving it. Because pastors are going to think about their house, they're going to think about their church, they're going to think about their people, they're going to think about their money. They got to pay their rent, they got to keep their overhead, they got to build their ministry and it's all based on that one head. So we got all of these different heads carrying a, a single title that are as diversified as the the nations of the planet. There cannot be unity. Well, yeah, we're all unified in Jesus Christ. Look at how that turned out. Obviously, we weren't, because we got churches that don't preach the Bible, don't mention Jesus Christ. We got churches that got to have smoke and mirrors because the Holy Ghost won't show up. You know, we get smoke without a machine. In our church, in my services, I get smoke without a machine. The cloud comes without the machine. Jesus is like, I could do this. Leave me like, We don't have to have somebody in the back pumping smoke. Pastors are sitting there allowing their members to talk them into black walls. When, when God talks about blackness is death and doom, black represents death, doom, and judgment and you are walking these pastors' churches, and I'm like, you got black... My, my Bible says the people sit in light, that God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. But see, you don't know that. You can't even defend... Pastors can't even defend themselves against the powerful of their flock because they don't have the word of God. So here we are now. The church is broken, fragmented. You can't, what, why is the church broken? Why is the church splintered? Why is it fragmented? Because the the, the, the office that is supposed to be out in the field the domestic office is trying to act like a government office can't do it all those churches cannot govern cuz they don't agree they don't agree i don't i think we should do this i think women can wear yoga pants i think people could be tattooed i think you know the government has we haven't seen them people tattooed yet now they may have it but i bet you they can't afford it i bet you and you know why? Because it speaks to a single cultural uh, practice. And they have to represent the whole. And no pastor can represent the world. Because the pastor has to take care of the church. So they should never have been in those seats, ever. And so here we are. Now, you know, it's, it, God allows what God allows just simply because. You know, God did not want Israel to have a king. Israel had become. Very well acquainted with the nations around them, and they wanted to, they took on the be be like itis. And they, so they wanted to be like the nations around them, and that be like itis is what caused them to have a king. So God said, If you want a king, then I'm, I'm Alpha, I got to choose the king because I'm the king of kings and I'm the God of glory. So He chose their king, but He didn't want it. He expected it, He anticipated it, He made provisions for when they got to that point. Because he's God, he's got to know the Omega if he's going to be God. And so he chose that. And, and so God tolerated this because he wanted us to see and he wanted the future generations to know what happens when we put the fourth, fourth member of Ephesians 411 that's not mentioned in 1 Corinthians 1228 in charge. You lose the kingdom. God lost He lost his this nation. He lost his body. Because different pastors, what they, that was their domain. And so we had all these little domains, these little, you know, teeny domains that are, hallelujah, okay, that are all doing things their individual way. Well, we sing, but we don't sing. We have music, we don't believe in music. We have flags, we don't want flags. We dance, we don't believe in dancing. We believe that people can then do what they want, we don't. We believe that there's such a thing as a gay Christian, we don't believe there's a gay Christian. We believe that the transgenders are, okay? All of this here pastors allowed. This is their watch, and this is the fruit of their watch, and this is the fruit of what they did with their authority. And they went and they had the little meetings, and then they, 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 they polarized in, in various little uh, sects and ideologies, and they believed in all of that. So, okay, well, this is what our group, well, this is what I think our group is. And yet they all are subject to the people. And because they're subject to the people, then nothing that they say, nothing they say can be treated universally. There is no potential of universality in this. Not in that, that's why it's four. That's why it's four. So a house divided cannot stand. So we are the household of faith. We are now divided, so we can't stand, and that's why they're falling. Boom, 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 boom. That's number one. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Isn't that what's been happening? These people got out in these high governmental realms, didn't know what they were talking about, got out here trying to give this word and that word, and whatnot. Where are they? Where are they? Where are the evangelical prophets that, that were on the front line? Sick, dead, or gone. Because it's not about soul winning. It's about kingdom keeping. It's about king covering. We are supposed to cover our king. We are supposed to represent who he is. We are his priesthood. Melchizedek is an example of the royal priesthood that we are the model. Oh, uh, that's a whole other claim. Okay, and so do you? Do you realize, can you realize that when we went and get, this whole thing was taken over by the pastors and it began to be built on the platform of soul winning and soul saving and soul and church planting and not kingdom. And when we say kingdom, see, what a lot of us say kingdom, we mean, well, we get to boss people around and we get to strut and opulence and we get to be glitter and glamour. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the realm of the king, and you cannot do kingdom without knowing the king. You cannot do kingdom without visiting the king and getting the king's orders and mandates. You have thrown away the king's constitution. You've thrown away his, when you've done that, you threw away his government, and you set his church up to be splintered. And so there was no, I mean, and the pastors were unanswerable because how you going to make, well, this is is my church. I do what I want in my church. And like little plantation owners, we all do what we want to do with with our little populations. So think about this. Can you recognize the vision? How can Satan cast out Satan? You can have all the intercession you want about this church. It will not help. You can pray. Y'all can go. You can go on. I bind you. You can do that all day long. But you know what? Satan not going to cast out Satan. And he seduced this church into the being divided so that he can weave in there and sow and plant his agents, his emissaries, his commands, and his values and beliefs. And we are representing satanic values and beliefs. That's why you think folk can check. That's why you think. Come on now, this is the truth. You, where'd you get that from? He, Satan inseminated a, a, a shepherd who then liked the idea, and next thing you know, it's the law of that church. And then now we become, you know, see and do, be like. And so the be like spirit went, went around, and I want to be like this one. So we, we can do the who, who in the world said that it was okay for a woman to show up in church in yoga pants? That's a devil. I'm telling you that's a devil. A woman coming to church, church that's a harlot. You got the Harvest Church. That's a Babylonian thing, baby. That's not Jesus Christ. You need to understand, but see, you all haven't checked these trends out. You just went on because they felt good to your flesh. You went on and adopted them, and your pastors let you do it because the pastors themselves didn't want to stand in righteousness. A lot of them being male probably really appreciated your little yoga behind. And your little tight tight shirt They appreciated that And you know what, so they got a chance to pretend to be righteous Pretend to be holy Pretend to preach the gospel And got a little porn on the front row Because all of that is pornographic attire This is what the apostles of Jesus Christ do To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith that is in me. See, that's important. Taking out all of those other little things that we like to do, we do it. Why in the world do you think you got you got churches with people hard out petting? I mean, you sitting around with some of these people, the man is rubbing the woman's back, scratching her back, and you in church. When well, you got to watch some man scratch his wife's back, and her, come on, that is a, that's vulgar, the day is long. That's a, affection is supposed to be private. And then when it's public, they call it pornographic. They call it public, they call it. Pornography, they do Because it's, 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 it's intimate, sexually charged behavior That is done in public All of this public display of infections I don't care who you are, I don't care how long you've been married That is still pornography You're still painting pictures in people's minds Of a sexual experience or encounter And you're doing it because you want them to know You got yours and they don't have theirs but how can Satan cast out Satan? I want you to remember that scripture. How can Satan cast out Satan? Uh, Satan is not going to cast out Satan. He's just going he to treat uh, your, your congregation as a chessboard and just move his devils around. Because he can't cast them out. Why would he do it? He put them there for them to do something for him. And so congregations in power ought not to be because they divide the body of Christ. And they polarize us and force us into camps and sets. And that's just Jesus' word. Now, whether it changes or not, that's up to him. My job is to tell you what the problem is and to tell you that if you want to fix the problem, it's that kind of an overhaul. His entire modern ecclesia has to have an overhaul. And the, the, the leadership must be switched out and reverted back to the authoring mantles of scripture. And before they're worthy of taking it on, they need to be trained, they need to be vetted, they need to be proven and, eva- and validated, not just elevated. That is why people can come in and, 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 and pastors can make apostles and pastors can make How do you do that? You don't even know how God makes an apostle. And when I when you read your Bible, I read my Bible, I, I'm going to talk about I'm the Bible girl, I'm the scripture girl. And you cannot hurt my feelings about it because, see, y'all have lost this man's kingdom without the scripture <laughs> I'm going to keep on saying, yes, I am. Somebody has to say it because we have to fix it, and we got to own up to it. See, this is not about judgment. This is about owning up to it to earn the, the, the opportunity and the privilege of being able to correct what you didn't know better. You are getting an opportunity to correct it. You can get caught up and say, but well, that's just judgmental. Yes, it is. Everything's judgmental. The shoes you put on today were a source of judgment. Come on. I wore these shoes because I judged them to be better than yours, the other shoes. The go better with this outfit. Everything is judgmental. Your color, your hair, how you wear your hair, the car you chose, you render judgments on everything. It is impossible to get through a day without judgment. Every selection is the fruit of judgment. Every option is the fruit of judgment. Every choice is the fruit of judgment. Why? Because two or more things were compared, and you had to render a decision as to which one was better, which means you had to decide... Which one would fit your needs at that time? you go to a restaurant. You judge the food all the time. You go to a movie. You judge everything. So don't give me that. I'm not impressed. But we do have an opportunity here to repair our error. I don't think it was sin. I just think it was naivety, and naivety guarantees error. That's just the way it is. So when you look at this, um, so when you have congregations in charge, this is how division looks. You have, you have individualized mandate. Each church has its own mandate. How many of you all heard the pastor say, uh, the mandate on this house, my house, we have a mandate. Well, that mandate on that house didn't travel universally. It wasn't universal. So and each one had different mandates. And when pastors go out to talk and chat, they all talk about their mandate. And then they have individual standards. Yeah, well, this is the way we do things. Well, I don't care where you go there you want to help them out and try to help them do something you learned. No, no, no. This is the way we do things. Our standard is this. And then you have a disindividualized doctrinal emphasis. One wants to emphasize salvation, somebody else sanctification, somebody else prosperity, somebody else family and marriage, somebody else business and enterprise, somebody else. You all want to emphasize that, and you're not wrong in your realm. You're just in the wrong realm. Individualize permissions and approvals. So what one pastor thinks is not harmful, another pastor will say is. One house says, it's real okay if you don't pray in tongues. We prefer you don't. Another house is like, no, we need to pray in tongues. One house says, you just need to read a couple of scriptures a day, a, a week. Another house says you need to know your Bible. See, different individualized permissions and approvals. And then, of course, individualized ideologies and expressions. And these don't have accords with other unless you're a denomination and what makes the denominations perpetual is that they have worked this out there are no individualized anything there is the institution they founded the officials they appoint to it and the documents that govern and guide it and so we got out here because you know the whole word of faith and charismatic was all about breaking ranks with institutional churches, with breaking ranks with denominational churches. So much so, so much so. Come on, here, hear me. That you today think denomination is a dirty word. You realize? That, well, I, I actually, we, we go to a denominational church. Hallelujah! Bless God first. You go to church. And secondly, you're going to something that's been around. We can talk all day long about those denominations, but the Methodists are always around when God needs to get in an the lecture. And those Baptists and, and all of those denominations, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, he got, they are always around. We have very few charismatic, word-of-faith churches that go beyond 20 years. Very few. But So, so there's his clout. So that tells you something. If God is still using them, and you, I've heard people, God's going to bust those denominations out. No, he's not. Hear it from me. He is not. So all of you denominational leaders, breathe your sigh of relief. He is not going to bust you down. Now, he might switch out the headship, switch out the leadership if he wants to go a different direction, but he is not because he can count on them being the Christianity that he wants to present to the world. Now, they might not be doing everything right. Stop giving that prophecy. God is not busting down denominations. Hallelujah. Aren't we glad? Now, he's shifting them. I will give you. He will shift them. And we've met some people that God is like, okay, so I need you to shift. This is safe. But he trusts denominations because they are uniform, and because they're uniform, they're unified. He can't trust us right now, and I say us, I'm talking about this new um, charismatic whatever thing. Even the Word of Faith people, have, a, so they have a sort of unity and, uniform, uh, and unification, but they don't want to put denomination on it. Well, let me do it for you, because that's what it means. But they've been around, and they have uniformity, and they have unif- unity, because they all operate from the same manuals and guides. Prophets must do that. We must establish that. We must establish an institution that will permit that, and that will also prolific, uh, you know, proliferate that in the body of Christ. We have to do it, and so we have to recognize a house divided cannot stand. So the church is falling because all of these congregations have divided the ecclesia, and that is why it can't stand. It's falling because you. I mean, if, if a leader wants to get any counselor, they got to have like nine a nine, You know, 200 representatives To give you a piece of Christianity Just for them to make a decision Most of them are like, it's not worth the trouble We're just going to run on what we know The last thing I would say on this subject And that is Congregations are built on Private interpretation Subjective reasoning And based on Internals And not scripture Based on your in- inner self, our inner man, and they also based on they also deliver biased applications that excludes more than it includes. So every house is seeking to be different. Th- that's it. Congregation being different. We want to be different. We want to stand out as different. Different is the precursor to division. This is where the church is, and this is how we got here. You all have asked God, you have prayed, you've fasted. Lord, I need to know how we got here. And what is the solution? The solution is we cannot have the fourth member, the fourth estate, people. Isn't that funny how that works out? The fourth estate, we cannot have the fourth member of Ephesians 411 in the seat above what God wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and 29. You can't do it. Not and get a different result. This result was inevitable. Hallelujah. Are, are they responding there? Yes. you preach
0: this today.
1: She's on fire. We need it. I'll tell you what. We're we'll going to definitely make sure we go on vacation on regular
0: basis. I know. I need a break and I get my head clear. Get me that. Back. back to back. On fire.
1: Come on Come on up If you have a comment And I know some of you all are going to be all upset But I find out the people who write the ugliest things to me Are the people who know nothing So they write what their pastors say And they write what their sermon say And they write what they read But they know nothing about God or his word Other than the pieces that they like For example, well, the Bible says that, you know, women are to keep silence in the churches. That same verse ends with, if any man seem contentious. So let you know, the, the men that push that are contentious men. Well. That's Bible See, I can do that because I, I've come through this thing And thank God for the years that the Lord made me study, restudy, and then study again But I want to say to you, if you have a thought, I'm interested in it But you need to be educated Because I'm coming to you from an educated perspective and not an emotional one Aww. This was, These are not my sentiments These come from God's documents And a lot of you all argue sentiment and not documents Well, Prophet, are you coming over? I'm over. Are you ready? You ready to come from behind? Yeah. You know, the Lord Jesus said, if you're not gathering with me, you're scattering. And see, all of that with the, the, that, all of that congregational rule and all of that stuff, that's a scattering move. That's not a gathering. You cannot. In order to gather congregations, you got to gather them under apostleship or, or the prophets because those that are offering mantles and they can't be just the ones that, that up popped yesterday and now I have a word today. There have to be people who have been tried and proved. Nobody should be under a prophet who has not done that ministry for at least 20 years. I'm telling you, I don't care what they say. The wonder kids are prodigies. Prodigies still need to grow, still need to be trained. Same thing with an apostle. Your apostle needs to have been out here at least 20, 25 years, ideally 30 years in God. Jesus prefers 30 because he knows the trials, the tribulations, the adversaries, and the opposition, etc. that apostle has to defeat in order to take that seat and keep his people, guard his sheep. Amen. You ready?
0: Yeah. Look, you want
1: to wanna hear some comments? I want some comments. You
0: got comments? <laughs> See, in our midweek broadcast, which your people do miss, yeah. by the way, uh, we would do this after the broadcast. Oh, that's we right. we go through the comments, and we uh, Norma and I would be very animated with your feedback mm-hmm. with Dr. Price. I'm ready. Oh, there's some questions in there, too. Okay. Okay. Um Here's problem. Let's see. Uh, I'm sure she's coming in. Okay. Someone said, wow, this is clarity when you're talking about the Message Bible. Mm. The Message Book. I usually call it the Message Book because, because it's can't. not a Bible. Anytime I hear scripture being quoted and I don't recognize it as scripture, it's not the Bible. It's <laughs> not the Bible. She said that she loves the Message Translation because it was so common, but I did uh, not understand your uh, but I do understand your thoughts on it. Something to definitely think about mm. because we have made church and ministry about the mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to title today's broadcast, What Happens When Congregations Are in Charge, because you said that. Mm-hmm. You you said it uh, toward the end of,
1: of when what congregations you were saying. Uh, yeah. If
0: anything, no. And so, well, uh, let's see here. There's, there's, there's actually quite a few questions here.
1: Okay. Um,
0: that's why you were taking it on globally, Dr. Paula Price. I sure am. Rachel said, Can you slap that table or hit that Oh, yeah, it I know. I was
1: like, I'll what happened?
0: There was so much
1: money and front money, I forgot.
0: Yeah, Look at the poverty way. is coming in. Ah! Because my hair <laughs> is coming in. Uh, Jermaine and Rebecca said, you're exposing all the lies. The yes, prophetic. absolutely, everyone. All right. Someone said, Dr. Price, you are talking good as his kingdom guardian. Yes. So Eric good. said, I miss ABCs of Apostleship <laughs> and Prophetic Ed. <ends." laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, hilarious Everybody okay yes i know y'all miss it uh someone said the nicole said the implications of this are so scary <laughs> yes, they are uh man and then you know the fire the fire this is so good dr price we thank god for you dr price i'm all ears ear. someone said i'm all ears uh tara said what a great teaching pastor john said go on fire today we need it <laughs> <laughs> we need it we need the fire dr price yes Oh, she said, "Come on oh and talk here, love it." Oh my goodness! I wanted. Uh, what were you speaking on? Maybe the trend? No. Oh, what was it? Oh, I think it was PDA maybe. Um, Renisha said I wanted you to speak on that. Thank you. I'm
1: tired of y'all having. Um, what do you call it? Uh, worship sex in our uh, worship service. We are tired of that. We don't want your worship sex. We don't want your worship intimacy. We don't want it. If you didn't take care <laughs> of it at home, then you need to wait till you get home. Why we have to look at you scratching your wife's back like monkeys in a tree? <laughs> and her scratching She's you back. like monkeys in a tree. No, no, no. We know what did other monkeys
0: do? Don't monkeys do this? They did. Do, monkeys in the a tree. tree. We're not call each other's face. Remember we don't believe in Darwinism. Stop acting like oh, oh, oh. oh and oh, so
1: stop acting like one. Stop acting like one.
0: Jesus. And Whoa. pastors, you
1: need to stop your people from doing that. Because this is not the club. This is church. You're supposed to be trying to stroke Jesus.
0: <laughs>
1: well. Stroke him. Kiss the son. Kiss the son. He, he, he likes he kisses. He, says, he loves it. He just, he just <laughs> absolutely <laughs> delights us Give him some sugar. <laughs> Anthony said I'm his prophetic end too,
0: Okay, I mean, this goes on and on and on. Let's do a couple questions. A couple questions. Okay, yes, I did write one down, and then I'll go back and get the other's question. How important um, is accountability for apostles and prophets, and how does it work?
1: Great question, great. Um, Let me just say this. Apostles and prophets' accountability is like any other leader. You know, God does have checks and balances. However, in order for us to use the biblical model, we have got to have I don't know, the Jerusalem Council Or the Antioch Council mm. They need to be brought back in So that they are Apostles and prophets um, Have a body to be accountable to But if you only have The person who agrees with you Or the person who disagrees with you You don't really have it Because accountability is not just saying Well, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm preaching What God gave me, I'm doing what God gave me And hallelujah Those councils had the government of God Mm-hmm. As their guide, yes. they literally had. It wasn't about a denominational persuasion. It was not about whether or not they felt that uh, what they said was what was needed. It was none of those things. It was literally they were charged with being the earthly version of the twenty-four elders. Mm-hmm. So that because the the, congr- the, the church was not sent to just be a conglomerate of con- congregations. It was literally sent to be an, an embassy of God's world. The church, the ecclesia, is an embassy. It's a divine embassy. Mm-hmm. And Catholics know that. They, they got it set up that way. Mm-hmm. We don't have it set up that way. Mm-hmm. But it's a divine embassy. And so you had your, your that, that ambassador, head apostle, related back to Jesus Christ, the great apostle. And that connection was to make sure that God's royal realm and royal reign was populated and popularized throughout the earth. That's how the church ruled for 2,000 years Mm -hmm. because we had that. And so we can talk accountability all day long. I'm 100% for it, but it's still going to be individualized. This particular apostolic group likes that. This particular, and this one likes that. And then this one likes that. And and trust me, you're going to have apostolic groups that are (coughs) academic teachers. That's going to be what they do. You're going to have them that are going to be pastoral. They're going to be over there. You're going to have them who are going to be evangelical and prophetic and apostolic. But you have to recognize that that is an escalating and, of course, descending scale. So we want to do this. But there's a lot of work to be done, and I'm telling you, most of that work is not in, in meetings and in sessions and collaborations. Most of that work is in the soul, because God's got to kill arrogance, and mm-hmm. he's got to kill ego, and he's got to kill individuality, and he's got to kill independence, and he's got to kill in uh, 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 on submission and insubordination. There's a whole lot of things God's got to kill that's propping these things up, because whenever the flesh is in charge, it's propped up by those things. Did you another question?
0: I did. Renisha wants to know, how do you address pastors who call themselves the chief apostle or prophet of the house? These are actual words we hear in the South.
1: Oh, I would say that unless you can validate that that's who they are, you need to leave. Mm -hmm. Because people assuming a title in any other institution would be considered a problem. Mm Mm-hmm. You cannot go to your job and assume a title. Yeah. They give you a title, and that's all they want you to use. You can't even go to government. You can't go to your city, city hall and say, I, I, I just, I'm going to assume that I'm going to be the mayor's assistant. You can't do that. All of those assumption things and assumption things are the outgrowth of what I just told you. If you have a problem with that, you don't think it's right, then you need to step away. Or either you need to ask for their credentials, and their part, And this is what they're going to tell you when you ask for credentials and validation. I, no man did God called me. I'm sorry. Jesus personally called people. That's number one. The Holy Spirit calls people around the world to do everything all the time, and he proves it. And he uses institutions, authorities, and experts to prove it. Can you uh,
0: then address the titles themselves, chief apostle, chief prophet? We've heard over the years mm-hmm. people asking, "Is that biblical? Is that in scripture? Where does that come from?" Well, it right. is. Paul said it. I don't
1: know. He said, "I am less than the chiefest apostle." So obviously, they had Peter, James, and John were considered the chiefest or chief. So. That's where that comes from among other places. But that's the main one that we, Paul said, are well, you kidding? I, I, I don't even count myself among the chiefs. I kill Christians. Yeah. So I can't put the title chief on me. That. I mean, that boy can never, you know, you can't live them crimes down no there. The crimes <laughs>
0: follow
1: you. yeah even if you're repairing and making penches, uh, penance. But so when, when you say that, when you call, um, when you think about Moses being the chief, Over all of that, if a person is occupying a leadership position or a founding position and they've done something that is working, it's operating, then you have to give them that title. If you don't like chief, you can say senior. Senior leadership or chief. Uh When you look up chief, it only means one who's achieved you've you've achieved more than anybody else because in the middle of achieve, it's cheap, you know, so when you think about it, you know again but but in order to do that, they have to have achievement. You cannot be a chief apostle with no achievement. Uh, you cannot be a chief prophet with no achievement, just because you sold a lot of audio downloads does not make you cheap. it just it just means that you disseminated a lot, so you have to do the work chief. It comes from roots that mean achievement. I mean, exactly that you've an achievement comes from roots. It means you've been tested, you've been tried, you've been vetted, you've even been wounded, and you came back. Don't look at me like that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I have to. <laughs> it's the only way to look at you. It's the only look we so got. when you say somebody's a chief, apostle. They have achievements. That's,
0: good. That's really good.
1: Because that's what chief means. And we need to recognize, so all of these people in the South who are saying that, they are not, they're label grabbing. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and literally, <clears throat> and title stealing. Because they, don't, they haven't achieved anything. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you never put a title on anything you do, people will put a title on you because they know what achievements mean. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Because see, I didn't have to put a title on me. People can say, Do you know that you are the chief of the Am I really? I was just writing books, building curriculum, establishing business, writing manuals, starting a school, training people. I have achievements. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I have achievements in a unique area. I don't just have, well, you did what so-and-so did. People cannot find who anybody else's work in mind. Yes. That's an achievement. Yes. You can't find anybody else's work in mind. So that's an achievement. And you cannot find the, the diversity and the breadth of products and materials and services and tools and implements that I have. I, started, I found an assessment. We're still increasing it. I have found an assessment company, wrote the dictionary, never existed before like that wrote a prophet's dictionary, wrote a prophet's handbook, wrote curriculum, have developed apostolic information. I'm going on for achievements because, see, y'all going to challenge me. I want you to understand why I can do this. So I've done that, developed a university, developed curricula for a university, developed an entirely brand-new, not heard-of-before, biblical psychology program. So, yes, I'm achieved yeah. because I've achieved. Not because I snatched the title. Jesus,
0: Lord, come on. And I got fruit. Everybody loves
1: fruit. (laughs) (laughs) And I have fruit around the country. I have a a, a network. I've got global prophets who are all representing the brand and the style that God has given me. So I'm not concerned. They could tell me all day long, I studied this because I said, God, I was studying accomplishments, and they gave a synonym, as achievement that it was all by accident. And as I studied it, I realized that the roots going all the way back, chief, chieftain mm-hmm. yeah. And so because I founded this organization, founded scriptural organic,
0: culture okay. unmodified,
1: and I pinpointed, targeted and extracted from anonymity the apostolic Christian, yeah. I feel like I've achieved. Now, have I gotten where I want to be? No, I got, they tell me I got about 20 or 30 more years, so I'm going to do some more stuff. (laughs) Hang (laughs) on. Does that help you, Renisha? That's so good. good. Oh, I think that helped a lot of people. Um, Dr. So, Pike, hold on. So oh. let me give this question. Mm-hmm. So from now on, when they do, they say, "What have you achieved? Where are your achievements?" Paul listed his achievements.
0: Yes, yeah. yes, he it said, is.
1: "Rabbi of the Rabbi and, and uh, the Benjaminite of the who Ben the stock of this and that." He laid it out on the Sanhedrin. He laid out his achievements, yes, yes, yes. and they weren't just accomplishments, and they weren't just deeds. See, you can't call your deeds achievements. Oh my! Because oh, we God. want to do that. You know, but I did something, too. That's a demon. You can't call your achievement. (laughs) Look at you. Yeah. You can't call your achievement accomplishments because accomplishments means you just finished something. That's not a bad thing. You took a fee on and you finished it. But an achievement is something that rules and reproduces. And we don't think about that. I'm talking about prototypically. I'm talking about fundamentally at the root of the word. I'm not talking about how it's been slung around. But so what you've done changed lives. I told you, apostles don't just change lives. We change a chief, I am, chief apostles change how life is lived. What I've done has altered how Christianity is done, how prophets has done. It's altered that and still continues to alter it. This, my assessments are becoming very popular and widely used, so that means that how we used to assess profits of fivefold ministers, we now add this tool, and we are guided by that. So it's not only what I've done, it's not a deed, I've done a lot, so it's not a deed. Can I say that? It's not an accomplishment. I've tackled a lot of feats, and i want the idea of being the one who changed how life is lived mm-hmm. or how a particular group does what it does, that's very different. Because a lot of people write books, but the books don't change. The books change lives, but they don't change the institution. you like that?
0: Yes. Yeah. Now you can go. Okay. Um, question is, You said for one to take the leadership, they have to sit to be trained for 20 years uh, as an
1: apostle. But the first apostles were not. No, they weren't. Because Jesus only had three and a half years. But they they never left him, Uh which means they had long, long classes, seven days a week. Uh And let's just say if their class lasts 10 hours a day for three and a half years, do the math. fifteen thousand twenty hours calculated Uh. and then after all of that still had to have a class course Mm. (laughs) another 40 days from the resurrected Christ yeah see when you hear Uh people say stuff like that where they weren't yeah but you are not where your life your life right now is not set up to travel with Jesus Christ 24 7 they left their families they left their businesses and they were in class they were being taught they had theory they had practice he sent them out uh, when he sent them out in Matthew 10, he sent them out to go do his work. You have got to not get caught up in the clock and the calendar, but look at the equivalent in time invested in what they learned. So if let's just, if you, I don't know, somebody do the math for me. Let's just say that they had 10 hours, knowing Jesus, the way they said, he man never slept, they had 12-hour classes, 12 hours times 7. times fifty two weeks, mm-hmm. or three and a half years, do you realize that yes, n- and you and then divided by our calendar hmm. and after that, and they still had to have forty more hours, and he wasn't gonna be here long, so you know they were long. did you get that? Like 15, 15, thirteen
0: thousand
1: hours, like thirteen thousand hours, so they had thirteen to fifteen thousand clock hours. And all the warfare and intensity, and we don't want to talk about the the supremacy of their trainer. We keep saying, well, they weren't, Jesus is God. Are you kidding? Jesus spoke and then breathed it in them. They didn't have to worry about not getting it. He breathed it in them. He stands there as God. He does the same thing that he did with them in person, what he does with you today when he trains you. And then they go to sleep. They got to dream about what he said because he's going to see to it that they get it. Yeah. See, you all say that because to you, Jesus was not God in the flesh in the, in that time. Mm-hmm. See, to you, Jesus was not God. He was human. And it, and so you emphasize his human side, and you think that he did not retain his divine attributes and faculties and communications. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean communications just verbal, because back then, communications was anything that came from one person and went into another. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to use that argument, I'm going to need you to take and have all of the pieces and put all the factors together. So you're talking about this man, these people having almost 20,000 hours with the creator of the universe. Come on, give me a slap. This is why we need Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm.
0: to bring that practicality to the situation. Because we do separate the fact that, well, we bring our mentality, hit o'clock, 9 to 5, part-time, full-time. They were just hanging out. I That's true. Yeah, we just really act like they followed his ministry, like people might follow yours. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's preaching over here. We're going to show up. He's preaching over there. And the masses did do Mm -hmm. that. But his
1: disciples. He said they had private classes, sure. He said, and when he was alone with his disciples, he showed them all things. And what was he was showing them? See, again, you say Jesus like he's your buddy. He's our brother. Jesus, the co-creator of the universe, Mm -hmm. the one who trained Moses. Mm -hmm. Abraham, Mm -hmm. Daniel. Mm -hmm. This is the same Jesus, the author of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Are you guys following this? Because I need you to recognize that argument is the soppiest argument we can ever have. But it's also the most irreverent and disrespectful one we can ever have. Because Jesus Christ did his job as the supreme being, the sovereign creator of all that we have, who downgraded himself, came downstairs to walk in flesh, to do it face-to-face with human beings. He did not need three and a half years. He could have dropped them a dream. He did not need that, but he was training them to do what he did. He modeled what he was training for them to build his kingdom when he went back home. Because oh, so he didn't show up for you and me And we didn't built kingdoms all over the place He didn't show up, he didn't cut me in the flesh Oh gee, I had to drop in and help you do this He didn't do that ah, No, He did not He showed up to Abraham with those two angels Not just to take out Sodom and Gomorrah But to show Abraham, I've made you of the world I need to teach you how that world is run I need you to understand how to rule this world The apostles Were being agents of the Creator of all creation. The sovereign and the monarch created, they were being his, his literally, his representative, his alter egos. You know, Apostle, one of the synonyms for it is alter ego. His alter egos mm-hmm. into the nations. And so he came down to do more than just give them some scripture. They already learned scripture from John the Baptist. And they all grew up, And they were Hebrews. You know, they, they cared about their people knowing their scriptures. So that wasn't it. And so the next time that you think about it, just say, now, who am I talking about? Mm-hmm. Am I talking about somebody who was born in the flesh, born to die, born with blindness and darkness in the brain and all of that, using only 10, 30% of the brain? Am I talking about that or am I talking about the monarch of creation? Because I'm talking about the monarch of creation, that's a whole different set of circumstances and criteria. Okay.
0: Oh my God.
1: I just Go ahead. Jump in. I just needed
0: this.
2: I need to point this out, okay? All this revelations today. I just need. Oh to no, where's the other part of this? okay. It Let's didn't. Go
0: accru-
2: because I come, I come, I come with pages. I couldn't even write fast enough, okay? Everything. And I'm looking at Dr. Price's notebook, y'all, and I see two lines, two lines. And the first two lines are just Scripture references Not what the scriptures actually say Just the address <laughs> And a small phrase that says House divided That's it <laughs>
0: That's it, it. <laughs> <laughs> so, On a Christmas card That was in the car
2: I <laughs> 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 needed to bring y'all behind the curtain <laughs> Behind the curtain
0: Wish the cameras could zoom, y'all. Uh-huh. Two lines. She could, and <laughs> I just glanced over them and was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> you missed the last ten minutes of what she said, thinking about, <laughs> just thinking about the two lines. And I'm like, I can't even write fast. I can't. No, I took up so many pages today. <laughs> two lines. Y'all.
1: More. One more question, and then we'll hear your
0: feedback. Okay. Question: First Corinthians 12:28 does
1: not list pastors or evangelists. I know they are officers, but why are they not listed? Because they're not founders. They're not founding officers, They're receiving offices. Ah. They receive from the. Remember, the institution is 1 Corinthians 12, 28, And they are receiving officers. <laughs> they are not. I don't know where
0: to write Okay.
1: So they are receiving offices, they don't found they, even though they may found a local congregation, they had nothing to do with founding the ecclesia. And the evangelist's job is to go and populate the ecclesia, but they the evangelist wasn't founding the so you need to know the difference. And so, because they're not founding first Corinthians 12 28. The founding offices, that's why I call them the authoring mantles of scripture, and the teachers always, because, you know, the priests were teachers. All priests were teachers. So those are founders. So So we're talking about now, here we're talking about legislation or communications and education. We're talking about ambassadorship, enforcement, and discipleship. That's what First Corinthians twelve twenty eight is doing, and we're talking about it on a legislative and executive level instead of an an administrative and uh, um, task level. So that's why. Hmm. So the apostles and prophets handed off the church to the rest of the five folk. Okay, that's because sure. as they birthed them sure. and as they came into existence, right. they had they needed staff, yeah. and so. They needed it. Um, they needed to do that. So what they did is, well, we need somebody that's going to go ahead of us. And only God, God established um, the evangelist personally by, you know, actually transporting, teleporting Philip everywhere mm-hmm. so that God established the evangelist. And then the pastorate came as an outgrowth of the, congreg- of the multitude that were getting saved, and so we had to divide them. And we had to use the shepherding model. Where did they get the shepherding model from? Jeremiah, mm. Ezekiel, from the prophets. From the prophets. Wow. So they got the shepherding shepherding model for the prophets. And even when they were, it was at that point that congregations were born because the church was not born as a congregation; it was born as a nation. Which is why the early church and the earlier two thousand or so years, once we were we were rescued from annihilation by Constantine, that. It all became about regions and territories and geogra- geography and not congregations. That's a, that's a recent mutation of the church, the church's dominion. That's not how it dominated the world. It dominated the world as a nation. You know, people are Christian. They were Christians, and they were based on a Christian nation, et cetera. They were born on Christian soil, on and on and on. But we have to recognize that congregations are a late development mm-hmm. in the the pattern and the trend of the church. Thank you. I'm glad you liked that. Did that help? Yes, you? always.
0: Um, we don't have too much time left. Would you like Dr. D, to do the announcement?
1: Yes, but she could say something too. Yes? Because we didn't let her. She wrote a lot. She talked about all this writing she did. You could say something.
2: I'm uh,
1: okay,
2: and she's a highlight. Yeah, I did. I, I, I well because I, I, I look, y'all. I got Sunday school. Oh, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know what I'm gonna say. I I I gotta break. We gotta break this down. We gotta we talk will. about this. We will. So we I, I have to. to highlight. So I would know. We, actually, we Let have to Let me ask show. you a
1: question. Would you all like another broadcast to do? Um, to continue this and to elaborate on it, would you appreciate another broadcast? I going to say yes for them. Uh, we really don't have
0: yes. to. Yes. But they don't want to have to tune in. Yeah. yeah. Can gonna, all you. these people that said we missed Tuesdays and Thursdays.
1: If you would like another broadcast, let us know. Uh, and let us know that this is just the, no normal shaking of head. They're already saying that we don't have to wait, huh? Of course, yes, yes,
0: yes, of course. Yes. Absolutely.
1: Then we will resume this. Um, maybe we'll resume it. What? Monday? Tuesday? We can do it Tuesday in the daytime. Do you want to do it then? I think so. Okay. I just need to look at the calendar. That's why I'm hesitating. She, she, she's our clock and our calendar. We'll let you know. Yes. It won't. It will be within yes. the next few days. Yes. It might be Sunday. I don't know. It depends on what God wants to do. But watch your notifications. just watch your notifications, and we'll pick up. But not, in the meantime, do me a favor. Send me questions, not just criticism. Send me questions. Yeah, right. And send them to me. Yeah, send them to okay. her because you, know, you see how she takes care of me? Because uh-huh. you don't want them to fall in my oblivion, do you? Well, we,
0: we're
1: right. I need to be able to get in it while we're live. <laughs> That's I love it. So... Watch out. It will be in the very, very near future. We're not talking about weeks. We're not talking about months. In the very, very in the next few days, we will come back on, and we will, we will dig this out, and we'll give another broadcast, and, and we'll address your questions as well. Um, but in the meantime, I want to tell you what you listen to today is why you need to enroll in Price University, yeah. because it is not prophetic education, Christian education, or apostolic education as usual. We go into this. This information is not just head knowledge. This information is roundtable knowledge. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is think tank knowledge. It's, it's public policy or Christ, kingdom policy knowledge. You have to understand we're very different, and you have to know God. So we invite you to, when the show is over, go to ChristUniversity.org and say, I've got to learn more of this because I want to be like that. You can. This is not just exclusively me. And I fast track you because I teach it instead of having to live it day by day with the Holy Ghost, which was wrong. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Yes. So we. I want to tell you. You need to go there. We have what well, she's going to start with. It. start with our class. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we have
2: Biblical Psychology online is starting <laughs> on April thirtieth. We are uh, launching a series of our. Uh, you know four to eight week courses are short courses prophecy timelines being one of them Prophets and apostles mm-hmm. coming together, like a background yeah, of course, where uh, you understand yeah, how they collaborate, dreams and vision, dreams and vision, how to find your stylus, yeah, your how to find your stylus. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I was trying to pull up. And then also, we're doing we'll do a, um, a two, four week or one, six week class on uh, divine communications for the young prophet for mm-hmm. those who are teens and, and young adults um, in yeah, that area. That. So that's going to be really powerful. So we've got those string of classes coming in out. Spanish translation, yes, oh, oh yes, we are uh, we'll have prophecy basics, espanol coming this. This summer, we uh, we did a series. Dr. Price has traveled to Spain. We were in Spain with her then. We did classes in Venezuela. So we have Spanish material translated. So it's English and Spanish. So if yes. you want to do prophecy basics, uh, you can also take the course. It, but it's specifically for our Spanish-speaking community. We want to bring some material to yes. you as yep. well. So if you're on the line, you have a Spanish church or you have a Spanish prophet, listen, make sure you spread the word about that. They can You can start registering at PriceUniversity.org. Our summer semester starts our summer session, starts April 30th. It's going to run April 30th through July 27th. April 30th through July 27th is Mm -hmm. our summer. Just take note of that because our summer session is a little earlier than some other universities. So April 30th, it's not that far away. Last day to enroll for summer is April 16th. So start saving the dates. Uh, You don't want to miss these summer sessions. Biblical psychology is going to be powerful. The whole course online starts April 30th, and all you need to do to be a part of it, apply apply to price university so you can click apply online when you're online at priceuniversity.org and june, june. yes june we're oh. counting down our oh. june prophetic institute um starts the 20th of june it's going to be here in tulsa listen if you've come with us before we're at a new hotel totally new location we're going to be at the double tree at warren place that's where you can make your reservation you don't want to miss this dr Paul price if you've Enjoyed her. Uh, you can't get enough of the Paul Christ Show on Thursdays. You have got to be here live with us. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, it's three days, powerful prophetic training and evening classes. So you're going to get more and more and more. And then personal prophetic ministry on Saturday, along with a Price University tour. So we we'll get to tour, tour our facility and find out what is the buzz all about. What are people mm-hmm. talking about? You can come and see the facility yourself.
1: Yes. And I want to tell you, as we're wrapping up, we have a few more moments. I want to encourage you as the apostles and prophets, if you understand what I talked about today, about being the authoring mantles of Scripture and the first and second officers of the ecclesia, you definitely don't want to miss you. Yeah. And you need to come. If you're a pastor, you need to come because you need to find out, number one, if you're one of those and you're just locked in a pastor's position, number two, how to recognize and to um, cultivate the apostles and prophets that are budding in your midst, and then three, to get the counsel and the advice, the wisdom that you need or desire to be good at this. God is shifting this church, whether they like it or not. You know, God's sovereign for a reason. Sovereign means I do what I want to do, when I want to do it, the way I want to do it, and I answer to no one. Okay. That's what sovereign means. And so, God is shifting his church. He's shifting his church's government, he's shifting his church's leadership. He is not obliterating, I'm going to kill that. He is not obliterating evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's just reordering his church and revamping its substance. Mm-hmm and its structure as well as its functions. And so we need to be clear on that. You want to come in June so you can get the first-hand news of what he's doing and how he's doing it and find out how you fit. You are supposed to be part of it. You don't have to be a casualty. You can be a participant. You can be an initiator. You know, some people, by the time God moves, they're like, oh, my ministry died and whatnot, God killed my man. He didn't mean to do that. That wasn't what he was going after. But you should have been a part of the strategy and the planning session. So make sure you come. If you're a prophet with the network, with the class, if you're an apostle, same way with the following, bring them. It's, it's not you can go back and try to say we said it, whatever. We don't sell the the, the classes, the sessions, so you will have to recall it from memory and your notes. Mm-hmm. And when if and if the people have commu- uh, pop, what do you call it, laptops and phones open and they're recording, we slap it all together, everybody got to leave the stuff in the room. So we would not like to do that. But understand, we don't sell it. And the reason that we don't sell it is because people pay thousands and thousands of dollars. They put things on hold, they postpone other payments, because they feel this is most important. And for us to sit there and let these people put all of this money into attending, and when they come, after it's over, we're going to sell it for $100, $200, I don't do it. I'm not going to do it. Besides, it becomes part of our academic material in our university. So don't come. Don't stay home and say, well, they'll Facebook it. We won't. They'll, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Periscope. We're not doing that, and we're not going to sell it. That's not my way. Those of you who have asked in the past, you know, because I think it's very unjust. Mm-hmm. I do. I think it's very unjust for people to have to pay and press to get information that they think is unique or special or, or you know, very substantial to them, and then they can take, take it home to everybody who says, oh, it's not worth it. I'm not worth it. I don't do it. I, and I'm like God. I reward the presser. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's what we're going to do So don't fall into that trap If you want to get classes for your your Team, uh, get them educated I like the teams, we do things with the teams There are a lot of up and coming prophets A prophet of Gia has a special burden For the prophets of the future And how we're going to have them ready I I love it Because here the four most of the prophets that we have been dealing with who grew up and said they were prophets since they were kids, they only, did, they only demonstrated. They only did shows. They didn't have training. They didn't know what they were doing, which is why when they got into the adult world, they took them out. So, again, those dates? June 20th through the 23rd. And you go to my website, DrPaulaAPrice.com, and register. And register your group. And, and, and think about it. You could just rent a truck, rent a van, rent something. You know? It's, it it could be fun. But don't miss this, because the shift is happening 2018, and it's kicking off 2019, and you want to be aware of it, get the advanced knowledge. God bless you. We enjoyed you. Have a great weekend. Don't forget to join me Sunday for Scripturally Organic, Culturally modified Christianity at the Congregation of the Mighty, where God God stands. God bless you.